bum, 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 bum. You like that, right? Love it. You love that? All right. I uh, have just landed in San Francisco, and a guy that uh, I don't think we ever talked live, right? No, no. We, we talked by email. A lot of email mind. and a lot of text messages. And uh, Ben Perry from Sports Meat Beer Podcast. That's hard to say, actually, Ben Perry. Yeah, it's it's uh, the meat's like the protein. That's what I always tell people. All right, very nice. And also Lagunitas, right? Formerly of Lagunitas, but yes. And considering the truck you just picked me up in, I think you did well on that sale, <laughs> my friend. Good for you. But I, I've been flying all day. Uh, I just, uh, like I said, I just landed in San Francisco. And then, uh, of course, we have to wait 30 minutes on the plane because uh, it's so windy in New York, they can't turn the plane around that I was on. So they had to park this uh, JetBlue plane in a special area and get buses to get us to the terminal. So we had to wait, uh, I don't know, about a half hour for the buses. We finally get on the buses, and the bus goes 100 yards, Ben Perry, 100 yards. And then everyone starts laughing like, we could have walked this and saved a half hour. That's San Francisco for you. Yeah. I tell you. And then you found out I was coming out here. We're going to be uh, hanging out with, I guess, a, a bunch of people from the Food Network and Guy's Grocery Games, right? Yeah, they're they're going to be filming a, a tribute episode, uh, you know, for, for Carl. And it's going to be pretty special. I mean, that's, that's, I've, I've heard a couple of things. I don't want to spoil it for any uh, viewers, but it's going to be a great dedication show. And then uh, we're able to go and check it out and be on set for it. And hopefully I'll uh, podcast around it. And then we got a couple parties out here for Carl. So uh, Guy Fietti, I'm starting to say Guy Fietti because that's how Carl uh, said it. I, I, I mean, it looks like it's Guy Fieri, though. I don't, right. I don't get the T in his name, Guy Fietti. But Carl would get, go nuts every time I mispronounce Guy's name by saying Fieri. But uh, he personally um, invited me, and I said, of course I'll be here, man. And it looks like it'll be a, a nice celebration of life for Carl. Yeah, it's uh, you know I think a lot of the a lot of the folks from Food Network that worked with him over the years, you know some of them couldn't make it out to New York, some of them couldn't make it out to uh, Florida for all of his uh, memorials, and I think this was probably the best way since they just started shooting for the next season. Yeah. Now all of them are in town, and it made sense. They got some of the some of the guest judges are back. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great celebration. And uh, I've lost track, but I think this is the fourth memorial I've done for Carl. And uh, and, <laughs> and then after this, I, I, I mean, no offense, but I'm like, all right, I think I'm done with the memorials. And then Gloria uh, is working on another gig, Island. Pig Island in Brooklyn. They're doing a giant celebration for Carl and that's going to be on November 16th I think and uh, I think all is invited so the memorial tour continues for Carl Ruiz it's it's almost like uh, the goodbye tour for uh, Kiss you know, for, yeah, for, yeah Kiss is still doing their goodbye tour uh, it's funny you should say that so I've been doing radio my entire life and I went to the first Who Goodbye Tour in 1989. Was their first Goodbye Tour? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was in junior high at that time. But I think I remember those Goodbye Tours, and then it just kept going and going and going. And then Kiss started doing their run. Yeah. And every classic rock band has done the exact same thing. They yeah. run out of money, and they go, "Now nah, let's do another tour." Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if uh, the main 
band members die. They just they just grab someone else off the street and they just continue with the name. They don't give a fuck. Just like Journey. Oh. Grab that little Filipino kid and all. He sounds just like Steve Perry. Put him out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think he makes about a hundred dollars a show, which is a lot of money for 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 where he comes from. So the band is loving the fact that he sounds just like Steve Perry. Yeah. By the way, I just realized that you definitely are Ben Perry from Sports Meat Beer. Uh, because I recognize the voice because I, I listened to your podcast. And you also did a couple podcasts with uh, Carl when he would come out here and, and film grocery games. Uh, well, we did the IPA beer review. We did that. I, li- I just re-listened to that one today on the way down to pick you up. Well, the, the first one you guys did about IPAs was excellent. It was actually episode two of the Opie Radio podcast. Uh, you know, it's hard because, you know, when you're talking about all the tribute shows, like eventually that page will turn and, and, and we'll move on. And, and we're not going to forget him, obviously. But we will begin to you know, start the healing process, uh, and then. But these little, like, he's got amazing one-liners in these things. I mean, his his flow and his delivery was top notch. I mean, you know, you know that. I'm not yeah. telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. And so to go through there and to pull out little gems once in a while, just even like 30 second little clips. I got so much audio of me and him. Um, I honestly don't know what to do with my podcast at this point. I know I want to continue. But it's tough because, you know, I was really enjoying doing it with Carl. We had great chemistry. And more importantly, it was just so much fun. I didn't care how many people listened to this uh, thing because I just I just knew I was having a good time and he was having a good time. So I do know as I move forward that I will be sprinkling in a lot of uh, audio from Carl that a lot of people have not heard. Some really hardcore fans heard it because we were doing Facebook Lives and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast probably haven't heard it. Uh, speaking of which, the last episode of the podcast, I did just that. I found our, our uh, trip to Rochester, New York in 2017. I wanted uh, Carl to meet Brother Weez badly because... Carl always reminded me of Brother Weeze, like a younger version of Brother Weeze, a street guy with just incredible knowledge. Right. And and Carl had that obviously, and so did Brother Weeze, and I couldn't wait for those two to uh, to meet. So we did a whole Facebook live driving up to Rochester. Then we were drinking tequila on the roof of a hotel, and then we were doing radio for two days with Weeze, and it was all just on Facebook Live. And I'm like, you know what? I should just release this as an episode, um, you know, on, on the podcast. So I was editing it. And I, I called Billy DeTori, who's uh, Weez's producer. I go, yo, could you send me, you know, the audio of us on the air up there? And Billy's like, yeah, no problem, you know. And he sent me a whole bunch of segments. And I, I start editing it. And, Ben, I got to tell you, I'm laughing my ass off. We're having so much fun. Weez is into it. Definitely really good radio. Lots of laughs. And then out of nowhere, um, you probably even heard this uh, by now because it was on the last episode. But, uh out of nowhere, Brother Weeze asked Carl, he goes, uh, you know, what's the lifespan of a of a chef? And Carl all of a sudden changed his tune, said uh, most chefs tap out by 50. They either got bad knees or they die from heart attacks or drugs or something like that. And then got real serious and said uh, to everybody in the room, I figure I got two years left. And everyone went... Wow, you could you could feel the air was just taken out of the room, and then thank God we said, "What are you, forty eight years old?" You know, doing yeah. the math, you know, getting getting Carl to fifty, and then we all laughed, and that was the out of the bit. Um, but I, I forgot that he said that, and as I was editing it, editing that episode, and that came on, I went, "Oh my God!" I screamed for my wife. The hair on the back of my head stood up, and uh, 
and I played it for her, and she's like, man, he just knew something. Yeah. Oh, I should explain, by the way. That was August 2017, and he said, I, I figure I got two years left. Uh, he died, obviously, September 21st, 2019. So yeah. he, he was he was off by, like, three weeks. It's Yeah, it's spooky. And, you know, he, as everyone, you know, we've heard all the episodes and everyone talk about how he knew a lot about everything. Who knew he could be so prolific? And who knew, you know, none of us took it seriously, right? You think, okay, yeah, yeah. Carl, you're just being silly. Why would you say that? You got so much, so much left, so much life left. Look how, how much you inspire other people and things like that. And little do we know, he he knew more than we did, obviously. Yeah. So uh, take me back. Uh, how did you and Carl meet? We were in a bathroom. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, back when Guy Fieri won the uh, Next Food Network Star uh, competition. So when he won that. He was out in New York filming uh, some other stuff and filming other episodes and follow-ups to that. And that's when him and Carl had met. And as soon as they met, you know, obviously their relationship sparked. And they really, really, I mean, a lot like you guys. When you when two heavy hitters can, can meet and, and sparks fly, you know you have to do something with that. And so he moved out to California to, uh, you know, to help out with Guy, to help out just facilitate some things and was just out here for a while and, and all of a sudden, you know, as I was the the beer salesman for the company, for all of Guy's restaurants uh, you know, here I am dealing with Carl and next thing you know we're doing shots next thing you know we're having beers, I'm the beer guy dropping off beer to his house and, and everything in between and then all of a sudden it's just what it just as everyone says, like all of a sudden you're friends and he makes you feel, made me feel special made me, you know, made me feel like we'd been we'd known each other for years and it only been a few months, and then you know, fast forward all these different years, all these different times, and every time he'd come out to uh, to Santa Rosa to film uh, grocery games, he you know I'd get the call. He'd call me up when he you know I'd go pick him up on set. We'd go out, we do uh, do what our boys do, and then and then just continue to have some fun with it. And then over then in the last you know two years, him and I started working on more and more stuff, and he came on the podcast, and you know I mean he gave me shout outs on on back when you were on Sirius XM and. He just did so much, you know, so much for me that I never even asked him to do. He just did because he was a believer. He believed in Ben Perry, and that was awesome. So, and then we worked on all these like those silly food brackets and the beer brackets and all that stuff. All those brackets were awesome. Yeah, we talked about re. A couple of the Twitter fans talked about trying to relive and bracketize some of Carl's best moments. We still we had the idea, and we still kind of thinking about it. I I don't know. It's hard to. Sorry, what I was going to say is uh, I would give it a little time And then you should absolutely do the brackets In his honor Whether you redo some of the same topics Or come up with a few uh, 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 new ones I think a lot of the fans would really appreciate that yeah. For the people that don't know On, on uh, Carl's social media He did best uh, beer He did best um, yeah, Fast food bracket yeah. The best cereal bracket yeah. The best candy bar bracket Yeah uh, it was great, and then you know what's funny about the beer bracket? About two weeks later, Barstool Sports comes out with the best beer bracket. Oh, I saw that, man! I saw that. Interesting. Uh, and, and you're polite. That that was bullshit. <laughs> How about that, yeah. Ben Perry yeah. from Lagunitas? I called them out. I shot them out a couple of times on Twitter. Obviously, they're Barstool Sports are going to do what they want. But I thought for sure, I'm like, you guys absolutely took. You saw the momentum that we had, 
And Carl had Carl was so interactive on Twitter. I think that's what made it so special for everybody because he went lightning rounds on these things. They went they lasted an hour. And people, if you stepped away from Twitter for six hours, you missed six rounds of that bracket. Yeah. And that mattered to people. People yeah. wanted to they oh I couldn't wait for this one. I couldn't wait for that one. It was so much fun. And like I was I was at one of my son's basketball games and I'm sitting there looking at Twitter trying to Watch basketball. Look at Twitter. <laughs> and Carl's like, you gotta update this sheet. I'm like, I'm 20 minutes from the house. I'll be right there. Hold on, hold on. I, I, you know, I, I'm counting on you to to bring that back in his honor. You got. I it. will for sure. You got. For it. Sure. And, and you've known Guy Fieri for uh, Fietti, Guy Fietti for a very long time, huh? Yeah. So I yeah, back when uh, before he was on TV and he only owned a, a one or two restaurants uh, up in Santa Rosa, you know, an hour or so north of San Francisco. Uh, you know, we we had we began. Our By the way, sorry because you said, "Hey, man, when you uh, get to California, I'll, I'll pick you up," and you were hinting that I should fly into Oakland. And I was looking at uh, layovers that that I did not want to deal with. And I'm like, "Hey, Ben, I'm going to fly into San Francisco. Is that okay?" And you're such a nice guy. You're like, "Yeah, that's cool. It's about the same. Uh, it's about the same distance <laughs> as the crow flies. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even close." But but I got a nice uh, you know nonstop flight from New York to San Francisco. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. That's uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I've yeah I've known Guy for a long time as well, and and we go back quite a ways, and we have. Uh, We've got a few stories uh, that probably shouldn't go on the podcast, but he's, uh, I can't say enough nice things. He's done a lot for me personally, professionally. He's done a lot for my family, just nothing but. That's why every time I see someone, you know, someone's talk shit about him, it always pisses me off. And I'm like, you have no idea how nice he is. You have no idea what he would do. He would jump in front of a bus for you. Well, that, that's the problem. You get, uh, you get to a level of fame, not that I'm there, and you got to deal with a lot more you bullshit. Got, uh, hold on a second. You're telling me you're not there. No, I'm not in, in Guy Fieri's range. Maybe maybe I was coming close before I blew up my whole radio career. Well, I tell you, you you know, now that there's so many options cuz there was when you were in your prime or in your the beginning of the of the boom, yeah, of ONA days, there was no food network. There was no extra cable channels. And the idea that people were willing to pay extra for your channel just to hear you talk. That's got to be flattering. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. And I think you were there. I, I think you were there. Yeah, I, I made it to the mountaintop. It's okay. It, it, the view wasn't as great as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like being back in the valley. But uh, Guy Fieri, you know, we've we've talked a lot since, um, you know, Carl's passing. And, man, the guy is as genuine as they come. And he was thanking me. He's like, you know, early on in my career, I would go on your show and you gave me nothing but respect and you actually helped me and my brand. I'm like, God, you're crazy. You were well on your way when you first stepped into my studio. But what he gave me was the gift of Carl, you know. Uh, He would come by with Carl. And, uh, man, Carl was so funny right off the bat, uh, hanging with everybody in the room. It didn't matter who was in the room that day. Carl was... If not the funniest, very close to the funniest every single time. And then, you know, Guy uh, would come through Sirius XM and he'd be a busy, busy man. And he would stop in when he could to our show. Uh, but there were times his schedule wouldn't allow it. But he would have Carl tagging along. And I would grab Carl. And he would tell me, dude, you're going to get me in trouble with my boss. And I'm like, I don't care. I love what yeah. you could do on a radio show. So he gave me that gift. And then the other thing, and, and that's, uh, I'm just tagging what you said, how, how great of a guy uh, Guy Fieri is. When I got fired from SiriusXM after being there for 14 years, 15 years, whatever it was, um, 
Guy Fieri was one of the first people to call me. And he basically said, Oh, whatever you need, I'm there for you. Uh, yeah. He's, I can't tell you, you know, there's been times where, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a job change or thinking about something, you know, and I will, I'll call, text him, call him, bounce something off of him. And he always shoots me straight. He does not pull any punches. No. Uh, and, and just, you know, tells me, but also too, is a, just like Carl, he is a great cheerleader for you. Like if you have the, the slightest bit of doubt about yourself, yeah, about something, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I can't do it, man. It's like, he is, he had missed his calling as a motivational speaker and thank God, because he's a far talented chef and TV host, but, <laughs> but man, he just would, I yeah. mean, you walk away and you feel like you're floating on a cloud and you know, Carl would do the same thing. Carl would. He would be able, you know, he would he would just be your number one supporter right then and right there. And he would he would not waver. He would nope this I'm all in. I'm all in on Ben Perry. I'm all in with this person. That doesn't matter who it is. And it uh goddamn makes you feel good. Yeah, I felt that right away and then I was suspicious because I'm not used to I'm, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm being serious. I, yeah, I'm not I'm not used to that from uh, people in general. So uh yeah, Guy Fieri is uh, definitely the real deal and, and and man, Carl is gonna be missed. I feel like I'm the mistress, though, because uh, Carl was very close to Guy Fieri and very close to me. And I feel like, like Guy Fieri was his wife and I was his mistress. You were the girl. You were the side piece. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, you know, unfortunately, it sounds like that might be the case. He, but, he would walk what? off podcast. I'm like, where are you going? He goes, oh, guy called. I, I got to, you know, he's yeah. he's he's leaving from uh, the airport in an hour. So long. Hope uh, hope the rest of the podcast goes well. He's invited me on that plane over the years, and I've never taken him up on it. And I got, and he goes, what the hell's wrong with you? I go, ah, I don't want to bother you. <laughs> well, I tell you, the uh, I have not had the invite extended on the new plane. But we did fly. We got to do uh, a Vegas trip. Nice. And uh, yeah, for I, I, one of the funniest things, Carl wasn't there, but I had Carl an inner channeling of Carl. We're sitting at this table. Uh, we were at Guy's restaurant on down on the Strip, uh, and we're sitting there talking. There's a table full of people. There's some NFL people there. There is some uh, business folks there. About about seven or eight of us, and I'm there. And so everyone, the conversation of watches comes up. And everyone is sitting there and they're talking. All of a sudden, it's Rolex this, Rolex that. This guy's got a Rolex. This guy's got this. And everyone's talking about these high-end watches. And and here I am. I do not belong at this table, number one. Number two, the watch I'm wearing looks, it looks fancy, but it is a piece of junk. <laughs> and so as they're getting around the table, I slowly start to undo my band on my watch. And I slide it off my wrist. And as, as soon as the momentum of the table conversation gets to me I just throw my watch out into the street on Las Vegas Boulevard and they all look at me like what are you doing I'm like trust me it's for the better <laughs> and I knew Carl would be so pissed if he saw me at that table wearing that watch so I had to get rid of it I had to just get rid of the evidence and move on I, he was trying to get me into watches uh I got a nice uh, Rolex when I got married, and I don't really wear it because I have these thin, skinny wrists. And Carl finally, when he when he saw my wrists, he he, he finally gave up, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't think I think I don't think a watch will look good on you on that dumb arm of yours." That's, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's, that's... It, it kind of bummed him out though. But he taught me about the watch culture, which is beyond fascinating because stupid me I'm like why do you need a watch you know the time is on all our phones it's stupid to wear a watch and boy did he set me straight 
Oh man, his, I mean his knowledge and his passion about it. I mean that's the part too that that was just so uncanny is that you would figure you know someone would. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Jump! 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 They're yelling back at me. <laughs> We're on the Golden Gate Bridge, everybody. <laughs> And Carl's not here to get very uncomfortable, so hopefully Ben Perry's very uncomfortable. <laughs> My ears are red, I can tell you that. Jump! <laughs> jump! Oh, I see. Oh, no, you can jump over here. Oh, yeah, now you can't. Jump! <laughs> Golden Gate Bridge, bitches. <laughs> Um, I gotta interrupt you though. One of my favorite documentaries of all time was was based on this uh, on this bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. It was called, yeah, the bridge. It's that right? We just passed the spot where the the movie uh, concluded. But uh, yeah, that's an amazing. With the guy in the in the long trench black coat. trench uh, uh, coat, and, and didn't he he uh, jumped backwards? Right? Yeah. That is a mean, rock star. If you're gonna go out, I mean, the balls on that guy. Because everyone, you know, the whole, the whole, I mean, obviously the way we just, we, if you haven't seen the documentary, it's been 15 years. Get it together. Uh, oh, that's okay. Can I set it up, though, <laughs> and, and then yeah, we can talk about yeah, it? Yeah. So, because I had the, uh, I think it was the director, and then I had one of the guys that actually jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived on my uh, radio show at the time. But basically, uh, these filmmakers talked the city into allowing them to set up cameras yep. on both sides of the bridge. And uh, and they were filming like 24 hours a day. And basically, I think they told the city of San Francisco that we're doing a documentary or a project on traffic. Yeah. And they, they bought it. And basically, they knew that so many people were jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge because it's a destiny for uh, people that want to commit suicide. There's, there's places in the world um, where people actually go to to kill themselves and the Golden Gate Bridge is is right up there at the top of the list and also I think uh, suicide uh, the suicide forest in Japan yeah. that's another documentary that's worth checking out because one well, of this you know this bridge there people jump off this every day yeah. there's someone jumps off every day and so they quit and that's why the that the wait is it every day they say every day someone jumps off that's 365 people a year you sure it's that many that's that's the stat the latest stat Wow. So, so the bridge, they set up these cameras saying, oh, no, we're doing something on traffic. And, and they caught so many people during this documentary ending their lives. And then the, the filmmakers would go and talk to their families and stuff and, and, and get to know the people that jumped and why they might have done it. And, and some of the reasons were, you know, almost acceptable. And, and other reasons were like, yeah, we, we, he was such a normal person. I, I don't know why he would have done this. And then there was a guy in the documentary that they did film that survived and I got him on the phone and I asked the, the, the question I think everybody would ask I yeah. go what did you think as soon as you jumped and his he said and it, and it gave me chills he goes I thought immediately I don't want to die why did I just jump and he's lucky enough to tell that story because he survived yeah that that was crazy to hear that and then the 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 way they built that movie up and the character you know you feel okay this is the next character and they the story just unfolded and folded and uh you know when the guy finally jumped it was such like you figure oh it's someone jumping off a bridge this was so different i mean how could you make that different this guy made it unbelievably spooky scary exciting everything at the same time uh by jumping off leaping backwards yeah but you know the i think the other interesting part to that documentary is it really started talking about mental illness before mental illness was always you know mixed up with with gun violence and sh- mass shootings and things like that 
they really started addressing like, hey, there's there's a problem in this country, and this is why are people jumping off this bridge every day? Like we have to solve that. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to you. <laughs> That's a little of the jet lag kicking in. No, you weren't boring. Trust me, I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I swore you nodded no, off on me. No, that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And, and in New York uh, City, we got our own bridge, uh, the George Washington Bridge. Yeah. And they they bury those stories, but in the paper, it'll be like buried in the middle, like just a little paragraph talking about how they found a body at the the base of the George Washington Bridge in the uh, the Hudson River. So we have our own problem over there. Where uh, there's more people jumping off that bridge than people realize, but uh, nothing like the Golden Gate. Are you sure about that number one a, one a day? That's that's what I hear. That's that's been that number for for years, and it might have declined slightly since. I mean, they they did put a, a suicide prevention yeah. uh, spot on there, and they have way more security on the bridge than they've ever had. So uh, they probably knocked the numbers down a little bit. Yeah, but even if you cut it in half, I mean, yeah. you're, you're still that's still a staggering statistic. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't been to San Francisco in uh, nine years. I, I love it out here. Well, you definitely caught the weather on a perfect day. I mean, there's no, literally no fog. It's, you know, 70 degrees out right now. I mean, this is, it doesn't get much better than this. One of my old college roommates, he lives out here. And uh, I came here a few times when I was wandering the earth, when I, I was fired. Uh, I don't know, and had to sit out like almost two and a half years. <laughs> For the, the old uh, sex in the church uh, bit we did. Fast forward a whole bunch of years, I, I'm married, and I, I couldn't wait to bring my wife out here. And we went to Muir Woods and Coit Tower and Alcatraz. Uh, Alcatraz. 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 Oh, my God. And, and the stupid crooked road and all that. But the funny thing is, my wife wasn't feeling well when we were out here and i was like all right what do you want to do you know first you want to go to alcatraz i think it's one of the most amazing places to go if you're if you want to be a tourist and and you want to go to coit tower you want to go here blah 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 and she goes no i want to go get a pregnancy uh test i'm like what we ain't doing anything we are going and getting a pregnancy test so long story short i found out i was gonna be a father right here in san francisco Oh, and that's got to hold some special memories yeah. back here. But anyway, so then we find out, and I'm like, you know, then, then also I'm like, all right, that's cool. We're, you know, we're gonna be parents and all that. So I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? So you want to go to Alcatraz? <laughs> and she's like, no, we're going to the bookstore. And then she like bought like I don't every even know book, every yeah. book. I'm being pregnant. Oh man, yeah, that that uh, well, you know, once I picked you up from the airport, we kind of figured out we have kids around the same age. Yeah. So probably figuring out right around the same time that we were pregnant and that the same books the same books were being bought the same uh pattern of all right now we got to just dive into this and it's that's everything yeah you know and us guys were like okay cool let's that we'll deal with that in nine months yeah (laughs) whatever like let's just keep going we got stuff to do and then we all make the dumb joke of we have a designated driver for nine months which there's nothing more than a pregnant woman loves than watching their husband get drunk at parties and weddings and then have to drive them home it's really embarrassing that we have absolutely nothing to do when they're pregnant. <laughs> no, nothing. It's it's We're really it's so uncomfortable. They suffer and go through everything. And what the best you could do is you know run out for takeout food and, and you know uh, rubber feet or something. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's not fair. No, and it's not that for a lack of we wouldn't want to do more it's just there's nothing we can do physically <laughs> so we just kind of we dumb it down and go okay whatever you need and yeah well, should we try to try to rub your feet and 
But inevitably, it's either too hard, too soft, too hot, too cold. <laughs> it's never right. But their bodies are going through so many changes. And then all their organs get squished deep inside their, their cavity. <laughs> it's, it's insane. <laughs> their cavity. And then this stupid earth. You do a YouTube video on yeah. explaining this to children. Uh, yeah. The cavity. <laughs> I don't know. Look, you got to punch drunk uh, me right now because I'm really tired. I got up at 5.30 and it's, I don't know, I think it's 7 o'clock New York time, so uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, what was I going to say about the prank? Oh, and then this stupid earth of ours, like, they they look at women as, like, almost second-class citizens. And, I'm, and I, I'm the one, I guess I am a feminist because I'm the one going, women are way stronger than men. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if you... If and when you meet my wife, you'll see right away she is far and above stronger, smarter, faster, better. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know what she's doing with me. She's way better than me. But it's just like with everything else, you know, with a with the the yin and the yang of a relationship, you need the. I guess she needs brawn. Yeah. That's the only thing I can offer to the tables. I can lift things, and I'm a little bit taller. Well, I, I got a theory on brawn. So you know, you gotta get, you gotta go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years and you know men with their with their stupid egos finally said this is bullshit and just started lifting boulders so they at least had something on women finally <laughs> that's the only way we can get the upper hand right oh jesus just yanking trees out of the ground anything to just build up a, a muscular body so you know maybe so then they would they advantage. would be yeah then maybe they would be looked at as uh you know more powerful than the female species Oh man, yeah, we're definitely uh, I'm, we're just even if you dumb it down to remembering birthdays and anniversaries, they're so much better at that than most men. Yeah, but that was the last time I was in uh, San Francisco, and that Alcatraz is just so cool to do, man. It's definitely that's like the top five thing I tell people when they come to San Francisco. You got to do it. And it's just, you know the, now you have to buy your tickets weeks in advance. It sells out. It's it's hard to get a tour out there, and it's always packed. Uh, for, yeah. for real, you, oh, yeah. if you just fly into San Francisco and go, I, I want to go to Alcatraz tomorrow, no, you can't yet. do that anymore. No. That wasn't the case last time I was out here. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty popular, and uh, you know, in part, I mean, it's affordable, I guess, but it's one of those things where people just have look for so much to do, and it also does take up a lot of time. It's a long, it's a day. Well, it's also a, a really nice uh, boat ride in in uh, in the bay. You know, and then they got boats going back and forth all day long. So besides doing the Alcatraz thing, what am I, a tour guy? No one cares about this. <laughs> <laughs> you could, uh, you know, you go there for a little while, check it out for a couple hours, and then you jump on, uh, you know, a ferry back to the mainland. What? So once we get into town, because we have a, a loose, a loose agenda. What's what's the first thing we're gonna do? What do you want to do first? Uh, sleep. <laughs> It's going to be too early for sleep. Oh, really? Well, well you can do a cat nap, I guess. But uh, I, I actually... Getting, am I getting you edibles? Uh, did you bring your own? What are we doing with that? That is so funny you just mentioned edibles. First of all, I don't do... Uh, do you think I'm a pothead? The no. little you know about me? No. Yeah, because I mean, I'm because I'm not. Recreation. I, I recently did edibles uh, before we went to uh, Carl's memorial at his restaurant La Cubana because Matt Farrer from the Smoking Tire was in town. Uh, Matt is also going to be up here, and he. I, I'm going to answer your edibles uh, question by the way because it's so funny you mentioned that. So Matt 
you know, found out I was coming, and I go, you should go, you know, you should go, you know, everyone would love to see you, and we'll, me and him will do some podcasting too, and you're going to do a lot of the podcasting with me this uh, weekend. Matt goes, screw that flying into San Francisco, flying to LA, I think he said he's got the brand new Porsche, that he's, that he got permission to drive from LA, I hope it's a Porsche, he's going to kill me if I, I got this wrong. <laughs> But I guess a brand new Porsche, he got permission to drive it all the way to L.A. And then he's going to do a podcast or, or what he does on it. And he goes, come on, don't be a pussy. Fly in L.A. And then we'll drive the Porsche all the way to to uh, San Francisco and beyond, obviously, because we're an hour, hour and a half north of uh, San Francisco. And I said, there's no way I'm doing that, man. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great if you're driving. It sounds horrible if you're a passenger. I hate to admit it, I'm not a car guy, which drives him nuts. I got friends that I drive nuts. Like, Carl was really into watches, and I wasn't into watches. My other friend, Matt Farah, is really into cars, and I could give two shits about cars. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's it. But you have to have those kind of people in your arsenal. You you got a car guy, you know a car guy. Plus, I'm a pussy. Man, I said I'm a feminist, and I'm using the word pussy a lot. That's not good, is it? Eh, I got no problem with it. All right, I don't good. Know. All right, all right, good. So, so the other thing is that uh, I think I'd be really scared when he opens it up and really starts, you know, uh, oh, yeah. you know, driving really fast. I don't know if I could handle that. Well, he's not a, just an average driver. I no, mean, he's he's driven, you know, some of the most exotic, awesome, crazy cars around. So he knows his way around a car. I wouldn't. I would feel uncomfortable driving with him. Yeah. I mean, you know, mainly because my pants would be off. But yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh, no, he, I, I would, I would definitely be worried, especially on a Porsche, especially up and down, you know, the coastal highway. That I don't know. It just sound, doesn't sound as fun as as maybe he thinks it is. And then, he's professionally trained. And then I think it's okay to say this. Uh, then he goes, "I did some shopping for you." And I'm like, oh, what is this? And he sends me a picture. He's got like. Like a really good handful of uh, gummy edibles, <laughs> and and I'm like, I am not flying back to New York with with edibles. No fucking way am I taking that chance. <laughs> exactly. And then once again, he called me a pussy. Well, yeah, you know, he goes, just mix them up with the, uh, you know, we'll we'll repackage them and stuff. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, because that's all you need is, is uh, trafficking charges to carry it back and forth between states. <laughs> Repackage it. Come on. And it's not like uh, just, a, you know, three or four little gummies. It's 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 a whole handful of all different types of uh, candy and stuff. So I, I'm not doing that either, Matt Farah. <laughs> I got nothing to say on that. <laughs> it's fine. I, there's no way I'm doing that. The fastest I ever was in a car was a Lexus. Oh, I, I've done. I've you know we have the we have a racetrack out here, and I've done the you know you hop in and and ride with someone who's a trained person. But we had helmets on, and you were like five point harness the whole deal. That sounds that sounds doable. Hopping in a factory car with a factory seatbelt yeah. doesn't sound that safe, especially with with I, I don't know Matt Farah, but I'm a guess he he drives like a Hellcat. So I would imagine. So the Lexus story. Uh, remember when we were talking about my career and how I was on the mountaintop? All right, so uh, when I was on the mountaintop, uh, Lexus came to me and Anthony, and check this out. They go, "Hey, we want to give you guys the brand new Lexus." All right. For I think it was for like I want to say it was between a week and two weeks. They're like, "You could do whatever you want with it," and then we're going to do commercials on your show, and obviously you talk about your experience driving the Lexus. So on the Long Island Expressway. Uh, out there on Long Island, I opened it up to 110 miles an hour. Ooh, okay. 
I was scared shitless. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go over 100, and then I was so scared. Next thing I know, I'm over 110 or right around 110. Yeah, those and those cars back then, they got up quick. Yeah. They were really responsive. And then the other thing I did with my free Lexus, I, I used to be a big skier, so I went up to, I believe it was Killington. I drove the Lexus up there. It's a front wheel, yeah. you know, driving car. So it was just sliding the whole way up to Vermont, and I had to get it towed to the condo I was staying in because <laughs> the road was too snowy. <laughs> you didn't think about putting chains or anything on or just... Wait, it's a Lexus. Let's take it up there and see what well, it can I do. figured if it could go 110 miles an hour, it could get me up a ski uh, hill. <laughs> Those two are complete different, <laughs> complete that. different applications. But, that. but the best part is, so after the week or two weeks, I'm trying to remember. This is a lot of years ago now. I gave mine back properly, really nice. Like, thank you for the experience. I really enjoyed it. I'm certainly going to talk highly about the Lexus, right? Anthony, because he needed a car, refused to give it back. Are you serious? And they didn't know what to do. He kept saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll drop it in. I'll drop it uh, off Tuesday. I'll drop it off next Thursday." And he just kept stretching and stretching it to the point that they had to repossess the Lexus. <laughs> How long did he did he go over? A lot of time. I would have to ask him, but uh, it wasn't a few days. It wasn't just a few days. It was enough where everyone was getting uncomfortable. Like, dude, what are you doing? This is a big sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But then you know, but then it worked because then he's like, "Look, I liked it so much, I refused to give it back," and they had to repossess yeah. it. Well, that's that's uh, that. I guess no, no press is bad press, right? That's the the yeah. whole thing. I would say that. You got any uh, any good Carl stories that you could tell there? Well, I will say one of my one of the funnest ones I had with Carl is uh, it was right after we recorded the uh, the the mini pod, the IPA pod. Uh, and we were we were at the hotel where you're gonna stay here in town, and um, we got done and and we go okay we were uh, we were just gonna go out for a couple of beers let's go out get some beers and we'll call it good and uh, it was myself and Eric Greenspan Chef Eric Greenspan Chef Bo McMillan uh, Ch- uh, Troy um, oh God I'm trying to blank on Troy's last name anyway bunch of food writers for you know food critics food judges from food network and so we all went out and we stumbled into this bar bar was blasting music it was dead inside and we just walk in and there was no bartender no waitress it's like they forgot to lock the door and left the music on so here we go we go charging in and uh they came from in back they were in another room and they said oh yeah what do you guys need and carl goes uh let's let's get a let's get a bottle of jim beam and they brought it up and I don't know how this happened, but Carl just started, the owner happened to be there and he started talking to him. And within 15 minutes, the owner looks at the bartender and he says, Hey, whatever these guys want, it's all on the house. And he hustled this guy. Wow. And we sat there for two, three hours. I think we drank a full bottle of Jameson, a full bottle of Jim Beam, plus more. And I couldn't tell you how many beers. And we were drinking like the world was coming to an end. And. We walk out of there. We all throw money down for tip for the bartenders. And this is there's a picture that encapsulates the night where Carl is singing karaoke. He's got a beer in his hand. He's singing Bob Seger and Modern Family is on TV in the back. <laughs> and he's in this leather jacket with all this fringe. I don't know where he got it from. But uh, it was just a, it's one of those nights that you just stumbled. We stumbled into fun. Alfred just doing a simple podcast. And then I'll stand. That was one of the infamous uh, I'll be home. I'll be home in a little bit, honey, to I, I, where are you? 
why aren't you home yeah, yet? Yeah. And so it just and time time just runs away. I mean, so. that, that's that uh, describes Carl perfectly too because uh, I never had a boring day with the guy. I, I'm not a big partier uh, like some of his other friends, but. I mean, every day I hung with the guy was just a, it, it was just an adventure. Always. Always. And it doesn't matter if you had an hour with him or 10 hours with him. He just, he, he, he brought it every time and it was always so much fun and it just, you know, there's, there's, uh, nothing can be said. You just, you had a, always had a great time. Yeah. I walked away laughing my ass off yeah. every time. Yeah. I was in Rochester with him. Uh, we did a couple trips up there and. You know, I I was I was pushing it up there and trying to party and hang with him a little little more than usual. And brother Weeze is hanging with us and stuff, and we're drinking tequila and all that. And then all of a sudden, it'd be one in the morning. We got to get up for radio. Uh, we had to be at the studio, let's say seven thirty, eight o'clock. So I'm like, all right, if I tap out now, I get four or five hours sleep, and you know, I'll, I'll be sort of fresh for uh, the radio. And Carl would like just humor me and everybody else. He's like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm gonna call it uh, call it early too. And we'd go to the hotel, and then the next day I would check uh, Twitter or Instagram, whatever, and he went in one door at the hotel, out the back door, and then found another bar for more experiences. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but I think it was Hotel California. He's in some terrible dive bar up there in Rochester, just singing Hotel California with a crackhead. (laughs) That sounds about right. Having the time of his life, always. Always singing, always dancing, yes. and that was just, I mean, I can't, every time he'd be in the car, he would go Twitter live, Facebook live, yeah. what Instagram live, and would, every time, music, full blast, singing and dancing just in the front seat, and uh, I'm going to miss that. That's that's definitely something that's, uh, that's been a hard one. Did you uh, let him drive ever? Never. Yeah, you're a smart man. <laughs> Because I mean, driving to Rochester, it's it's six seven hours, so we would take turns. And I mean, we all knew he was, uh, you know, on social media a lot. He could not stop, so we would be going 60, 65, 70 miles an hour uh, uh, on a highway, and he would just be checking his Twitter and writing people back. And I'm like, Carl, can't that wait? Oh, that was uh, it was yeah. so scary, and then and then he would have he would he would have uh, one hand with his Twitter, like just answering everybody back, and then the other hand, yes, the other hand that should have <laughs> been on the wheel is trying to find the perfect fucking uh, uh, driving song. <laughs> that's that's him. That's him to a T. That's uh, every every time. And then you know the other part that was always funny about him is that uh, I'd go meet him somewhere, you know, and, and he'd go, okay, hey, we're gonna do this. And he wouldn't give me a chance to say no. He goes, "Hold my phone, say this," and I'm gonna. And he all of a sudden he would just come up with these hilarious little sketches and great reactions. And it was, you know, you're laughing on on video because it's it's happening new to me too, and it's not rehearsed. But in his head, he went over it five times yeah. and made that thing hilarious. Ah, he's gonna be missed. This this one this one really sucks. You know, it's uh. You know, I've I've seen I've had you know my my mentors pass and parents pass and all those things and they were all difficult in their own way. But you know, when you know it's coming, it's a it's a punch you can absorb. But when you don't know it's coming, it's just such a gut check, and it's just it hits it hits really hard. And this one this one hit harder harder than most. And it's I'm finding it 
incredibly tough to recover from that punch. Well, as you're saying this, you got a tear in your eye that's dripping down your your, your face. <laughs> I didn't think you'd notice. I thought maybe jet lag Opie would notice that. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> yeah, the one tear just flowing down your cheek, like you were like you were standing in garbage on the side of the road. <laughs> That's an old school reference. I'm not even going to explain yeah, Native it. Native American. I okay. Oh, you do. All right. Oh, God. all right. Good. <laughs> not to be morbid, I'm the exact age as Carl. I was 44. I'm 44. Yeah. I don't mean to make fun, but I've, I, I'm just, uh, maybe just to, I don't know. I'll, I'll reel it back. I'll reel it back. No, I, no, no. I, I, li- I really do like uh, real emotion, but I also like pointing out uh, someone's misery. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, can we stop in San Quentin? <laughs> sure. I'll drop you off. By the way, I noticed the ways it just keeps going up and up. We we really have another hour and fifteen minutes drive. Oh yeah. All right. I want to talk about beers before we end this uh, this podcast. I, I was begging Carl to do the uh, the fruity beers uh, podcast with you, and he just refused and said he would never do that. God, you know, I don't. For someone who uh, you know who appreciated liquor and beer, I'm surprised that would he'd say that. Because there wasn't very many beers I'd put in front of me he would he would refuse. Let's put it that way. But yeah, the fruity beer thing wasn't his thing. But uh, you know, I, of all the years I've, I, that I sold beer, so I, I you know I've been in the beer industry for 24 years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of beers. I mean, I my worst experience ever was on an, an incentive trip to Vegas with Bex. You know how much Bex you have to drink in Las Vegas. And every they're putting it down, and it's just like, oh my god, I'm having the hardest time with this. I hate Bex. Yeah. Well, not a fan. Yeah. I was paying the bartender to put other beer really in my beer bottle <laughs> just so I could look like I was drinking Bex. I'm like, yeah, I can't handle this anymore. But uh, yeah, I've had a lot of lot of bad beers over the years, but I, I can get down with the fruit beers. I, there's a lot of them I like. Well, a, a couple things because you're a beer expert for real. Wow, this guy almost sideswiped you. Um, wow. He's checking his Twitter. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what, what, name uh, your five worst beers. Uh, yeah, Bex, Bex is on that list for sure. Uh, I think Heineken Dark is one of the worst beers I've ever had. And you don't see it on the shelves anymore. It's not out there anymore. They just quit doing it. I'll be honest, I don't like Heineken that much either. Yeah, Heineken's short behind Bex. The only thing that'll give Heineken credit on is if you have it on draft versus bottle. The bottle has the skunk. The skunkiness yeah. to it. Yeah. The draft doesn't. And on draft, it's a good beer. It's a great beer. Uh, I also, I like a lot of the grandpa beers that you guys refer to. But I, the problem I have with the Budweiser's and the Bud Lights and all those is that because they're an adjunct lager, they're made with rice, yeah. not corn. And the rice gives me a screaming headache from, oh, really? from the first sip. So if you put a Bud, a Bud Red in front of me, I the first sip, it's headache city. And I've tested it with blind taste test. Not knowing what beer is poured into a glass, and it still gives me a headache every time. Uh, other than that, I would say, oh god, some of the new, some of the newer craft beers. I don't like. I really don't like hazy beers. Hazy IPAs are, to me, are horrible. What's a hazy IPA? So when you go through the filter, uh, the, the brewing process, the last step is filtration, and what they decided to do is skip the filtration because you get a lot of complexity in the appearance. So you get a lot of, um, it's, it almost looks like a Hefeweizen or a wheat beer. So you get a lot of cloudiness. Um, and then they started adding um, like a lactose to it. So it had like almost like properties of a, of a really light milkshake. 
And so you have this beer flavor, but you have this real thick viscosity uh, uh, of beer, uh, of liquid, and it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't match. It's, it's commonly known as like a New England style IPA versus a West Coast IPA. But they, all of a sudden, everyone just, they started adding more to it to make it thicker and make it more, more, and it's fruity and it's juicy and it's all these things, but it just doesn't align. It doesn't taste like a a beer to me. It's not refreshing and the flavors are often muted. And I really have a high struggle with that category, but everyone's in love with it right now. Oh, really? The other thing, the other um, genre that people are really into is those sour beers. Yeah, sours are, are tough. They're rough, right? Yeah, well, it depends. It depends. You Because right now, you know, a kettle sour or uh, uh, just a real light approachable sour or like a tart beer is really easy to drink. It's like lemonade, right? It's a little puckering at first, but as your palate gets used to it, then it's it works out and it's really good and you can appreciate it. The darker sours uh, are really, really, really tough and you've got such strong alcohol, usually a lot of booziness that goes with it. Uh, it's it, it's people struggle with it, and if you start off with one of those, it ruins your palate for any other sours. But I prefer I can I like sour beers. I just can't drink them. I can't drink multiple of them. That's the hard part. And, and what what's the reasoning behind the alcohol content going way way up in in uh, in beers lately? Because at that point, why wouldn't you just like uh, drink some of the hard liquors and the bourbons and the whiskeys and whatnot? Well, about uh, eight years ago. You know, the, the way that to try a new brand, when you were a new brewery going to the market, you, people weren't buying six packs, they were buying the 22-ounce bottles. And what they just figured out is with a 22-ounce bottle, people saw a value because you had a ramped up alcohol. So you had higher alcohol than, say, you know, a 4% or 5% lager on the shelf. Um, you know, you have now you've got this pale ale or an IPA with, you know, it's a kind of a one-stop shop. It's like a $2 price point, maybe three or four bucks on the high end. And you're able to pack a punch with one beer and people feel like, oh, it's just one. I don't have to go and explain to my wife that I have, I'm drinking five out of this six pack every night. So people started doing that. And then the pendulum swung of this high alcohol, high bitterness. And then they realized that rate of sale was declining. So yeah, they had a higher price point per beer, but now they're not selling as much of it. So then they kind of swung the pendulum the other way, and they reduced alcohol, reduced bitterness, and and also kept that craft or that high end price point, and we're making more money. Wow, you are an expert at this shit, Ben. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> he goes, I like to oh, think by, so. By the way, I put you at your reference on the application I have to go on a TV show as a beer as a beer connoisseur. All right, that <laughs> sounds good to me. Um, I was joking about the the fruity beers, but there are you know I, I like the li- uh, the line and kugels. Oh yeah, line and kugel makes great. You know those are the shandy line of beers. It's a great thing. It's a, it's it's such a light summer beer. Um, you know they've ter- they've turned it into a year round uh, a year round beer selection. But really that was meant to be you know a summer a summer beer where you mix a light lager with a little bit of like Seven Up. Yeah. Or like you know or essentially a Rattler. Rattler and shandy are very they're cousins if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where it gives you a little bit of sweetness, you get a little bit of fruit with it, but it goes down really easy, and they're low alcohol, so you're, you're not going to get sideways by drinking two of them. See, I'll never turn all these people around uh, at this point, because as soon as I said I like fruity beers, you know, they think I like a lot of fruitiness, and when when I have like a grapefruit beer, I still want to taste the, uh, you know, the beer. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, people, mis- you know, it's the... Because the Schaffen, help me out, the Schaffenhoffers? Uh, yeah, well, there's... Um, 
uh, the grapefruit Schaffenhofer, I believe it's called. Yeah, that tastes like grapefruit soda. It does not taste like beer to me. I enjoy them on a really hot summer day when I'm fishing. You know, you could drink a couple of those, but I miss the taste of actual beer. That's why I've leaned toward the uh, the Leinenkugels. Uh, their grapefruit beer is my favorite grapefruit beer out there right now. It's it's a great one, and you have to remember too. Carl can give you a hard time about liking fruity beers. He was drinking White Claws like crazy. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> I was going to say, what? there's really White Claws just yeah. took that same category and made it low carb, and all of a sudden, it's taken over the world. And my be- beer distributor, I said this, I think it was on the last podcast I did with Carl, uh, I beat the crap out of him about the White Claws because he finally admitted, all right, I like the White Claws. I'm like, you can't make fun of me anymore. That's a sorority drink. At the beer distributor that we go to, you see the sorority girls coming in with the sweat, you know, the, their uh, their letters on a sweatshirt, uh, just buying up all the White Claws. Well, it's one of those things. I've I've had my fair share as well, but, but you know, uh, when we were, I was out camping with another big group of people, and we were out in Lodi which is kind of the armpit of Northern California. And it was 102, and we're sitting poolside, and all the kids are running around having fun. And I'm sitting at the pool, and it was me and a bunch of all the other moms of the kids. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I, I thought some of the dads were coming too, no big deal. And one of the moms, hey, have a White Claw. I said, oh, I don't really like them, but okay, I'll try them, you know. So I'm drinking that. Oh, this is pretty good on a hot day. Had another one, <laughs> had another one. I think I had about 30 of them over the wow. course of a few hours because they go down like water. Yeah. So I can see, I mean, it's, again, for him, that was a lubricant, right? It was an easy chaser. It's something that goes down easy, has a decent flavor. I can see why. I can see why people are falling in love with it. Well, it's interesting. Carl, yeah, always said that because I would try to, you know, just order us, you know, beers or whatever. He's like, I hate beer. I'm like, how do you hate beer? You're in a bar almost every day. And he explained that to me as well, that he used the beer to lubricate his throat for the Jim Beam uh, shots, which he really enjoyed. Yes, he did. We've had, I've had, I've had more Jim Beam in the last month than, uh, than I've said I had my entire life. But uh, the only negative, I'll say this about White Claw real quick, the only downside to uh, people buying White Claw over their standard beers is White Claw is conditioning people to transfer from beer into alcohol into the spirit world. And then, you know, behind the scenes, beer and spirits and wine constantly fight for shelf space and for floor space and stores and all those things. So now you've basically given everybody a canned cocktail saying it's it's like a vodka soda with some small fruit in it. So when they run out of that and they can't get it or the price point is that where it's so high that vodka is going to be an easier option. They're going to migrate into a vodka soda. They're not going to go backwards into beer. Ah, oh, that's smart. Well, I was a big wine drinker, and then I uh, I, I couldn't stand the hangovers anymore because you know the oh, wine will give brutal. you brutal brutal oh, hangovers. Especially, you know, you get a little older, and then those hangovers you 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 just simply don't recover quick enough. So then I I, I blew off uh, wine finally. I don't like it at all anymore. And I was kind of I was kind of deep into some expensive bottles there for a while, and went back to beer. The uh, the old Duckhorn. That those are the ones you're buying. Why? What do people laugh at that? It's a good no, wine. I, I know it's a great wine. I just I because of the show. I listened to the show, so I know what you were buying. It, it's Duckhorn. Uh, I liked Silver Oak. I liked Opus. Stag's Leap. I didn't like uh, as much as others, but. No, there's great wines, especially in our area too. I'm spoiled. You know, it's one of those things. I'm, I where where I live in Santa Rosa. You know, we're 45 minutes from the beach. We are from the ocean. We're we're, you know, I have 10 wineries within 
five minutes of my house Jeez. and another 50, uh, you know, up and down the Alexander Valley. And I can't tell you the last time I went wine tasting. I couldn't tell you the last time I went out to the coast for fun. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's one of those things that you're just surrounded by it and you just don't take participate in it. But the wine hangovers are crazy. And the only time I usually drink wine is when I'm at weddings or during the holidays. Yeah. But I understand the whole, uh, you know, not doing the wine tasting because I live in New York City and I've never been to the Empire State Building or the Statue of Liberty. Really? Yeah. That's shocking. I know. <laughs> I, th- I thought by sh- by now you would have had some sort of uh, uh, some sort of radio shock jock antics at one of those two. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, no. I, well, I mean, I, I, I climbed to the top of the Chrysler building. To the, I climbed uh, to the top of the spire at the Chrysler building. That's impressive. That and is. shock jockey. <laughs> well, that's, it's something. I See, I haven't even, I still haven't even been to New York. And that's the biggest thing. And that's, you know, to bring it back to Carl again, uh, I've been trying, you know, hey, I got to, I got to get out there. I got to save my nickels and, you know, I got to, I got to figure out a time and yeah. Oh yeah. You know, come on, cuz come on. You stay on my couch and, and all that. Uh, and I've been trying to like finagle it to have work pay for it. I've got a conference or I've got something I could go do. Uh, and literally the week after uh, I found out he had passed, I get a, a message. They're like, hey, there's a conference coming up. We want you to go to New York. And, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like of all the dumb luck, of all the times, you know, I, I should have done it earlier. Well, um, when you come to New York, you come hang out with us, man. We'll go to Get Parts. We'll do another podcast, drink some beers, maybe do edibles if Matt Farrow's around. <laughs> I think he really likes his pot. I think he must. Yeah. If he carries tins that melt in his car, he likes it. It's funny because uh, it's bittersweet for me as well because I always wanted to go up to Santa Rosa. Uh, guys invited me, sort of. You know, those sort of invites. <laughs> Not a definite day or anything. When someone, says, when someone says, call me, you don't have their phone number. Wait, how can I call you? <laughs> I'm busting his balls, but it would be like, uh, you know, hey, yo, but you, you know, come out here with the family. We and then, try, you want to try calling them right now? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's so call Guy Fieri. Uh, we're uh, on our way to Santa Rosa for another Carl Memorial. But it is bittersweet because I wanted to do this trip with, you know, with Carl and hang out with the whole... I don't think I told, I told him you're clean. No guy. No guy this time around. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's weird to be out here to, you know, celebrate Carl's life. But I, I got to finally hang out with you, Ben Perry. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you can't you can't be mad at all the, the lives that he's bringing together. You know, it, that's it's one of those things. Like, you, people are making friendships and connections that, you know, that hopefully will last, last a lifetime. We'll have that bond. I got a whole new group of friends because of Carl, and they're solid, solid people. There's not a dud in the bunch. I got to be honest with you. Well, we're only an hour in, so give me. I didn't say I didn't say we're friends yet. I didn't say we're friends yet. That's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a long ride to Santa Rosa. By the way, we still got another hour. I might turn this off and take a nap. <laughs> you very well could. All right, so we're on our way to Santa Rosa. Uh, I really appreciate uh, Ben Perry picking me up. Uh, you certainly didn't have to do this, and I think you've been in the car all day just to get me is what I'm starting to realize now that I see that we're stuck in horrendous traffic and that it's going to take two and a half hours to get up to Santa Rosa, even though you told me it would be an hour. I should have uh, done the layover and then taken the... <laughs> 
then taken the other plane right to Santa Rosa. I believe you could do that, right? Yeah, you could have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we saved you. We saved you a couple a couple coins by by going to San Francisco. It's all good. It's all in the all in the name of Carl. I'm okay with it. <laughs> And your wife's gonna hate me. Where were you? <laughs> well, like I said, I gotta go to my other job tonight. Oh yeah, tonight. I bartend tonight. <laughs> oh my god, we'll run into you later tonight. <laughs> All right, I think we should then uh, turn this off, right? Let's wrap it, yeah. Let's wrap this shit up, man. Um, all right. Uh, hopefully, we get to do a lot of podcasting up here. I mean, the people will find out quickly if we did or or didn't. <laughs> When they get to the next episode, if it's me back in New York, then you know that some shit went down. <laughs> well, there's gonna, be, you know, the, the fun thing is there's there's a lot of personalities, um, you know, people who are Food Network personalities, uh, you know, other other TV, other other celebrities that'll be there. But there's also a lot of just some good people in the area who really miss Carl and are gonna come to this. It's a it's going to be fun. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, fun for all the wrong reasons, but it will be, we'll walk away. I mean, I tell you, there's going to be some amazing stories. If we don't have, if our, if our sides aren't sore by the end of the weekend, then, yeah. then we haven't done him service. Yeah, and uh, you're going to help me out with the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I look forward to it. A lot of people have reached out to me from the Food Network and, uh, and elsewhere, and they all just want to tell, you know, a Carl story. So hopefully we'll get a lot of them on the podcast. Absolutely that i'm gonna turn this off and fall asleep while ben purry drives another where are we at another hour hour? (laughs) another hour another hour to santa rosa here in uh, northern california all right uh oh i have uh ruizing shirts and hats on my website uh opiradio.com and of course the haters think I'm uh, making money off uh, dead Carl right now and um, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't need t- uh, t-shirt money. I made a deal with Carl a long time ago. We're trying to figure out where the money goes. Uh, we're thinking maybe that uh, Operation Barbecue. He really, really liked that, right, Pat? Yeah, that was, uh, that was near and dear to him. I mean, that was, that's a great program. They came out, you know, where we had our uh, fires uh, two years ago. It was two years ago, just a, a week or so ago. Um, we had this horrific fires uh, Operation Barbecue came out and served tons of people and made a difference. They made a difference up in, you know, here a year after that, up in, uh, we had some fires in Clear Lake and things like that, which is another area north of us. Just a great, unbelievable, and unfortunately, he's busy nonstop throughout the year, but it's obviously for a good cause, and I think it's an amazing cause, and Carl obviously was it was very close to to uh, Stan Hayes and, and, and the guys at Operation Barbecue. Yeah, so we'll probably throw some money that way. And then I think Guy Fieri's working on a scholarship fund. I think. I know La Cabana's trying to work on a scholarship fund. So we're just kind of waiting for uh, uh, which one is going to, you know, end up panning out. So, But I don't need T-shirt money. But also a lot of people are buying the Ruizing stuff just to keep Carl's name alive. So it's kind of cool to see. All right. uh, With that, uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the OP Radio Podcast. How do I follow that? <laughs> I'm so punch drunk. <laughs> boo, 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 boo,